0: Everybody and welcome to episode 3 of the Garden Revival BBQ. Garden Revival is a gardening community on Discord, which you probably know if you're listening live on Discord. BBQ stands for Big Burning Questions. Tonight's episode is all about seed starting. I am your host IG, the server's illegal guardian, and my co-host is Space Butler, who has a beard.
1: That's what they tell me.
0: I've seen it. It's true. Anyway, our panel tonight is professional gardener Zappy Snaps. Hey. Hey. Ecologist Passiflora. Hello. And special guest panelist, horticulturist Joseph Tychonovich. Hello, hello. Hello. He is the author of the comic book guide to growing food, step-by-step vegetable gardening for everyone, and rock gardening, reimagining a classic style. Check out his website, josephgardens.com. Welcome to the show, Joseph. So happy to have you.
2: I'm really excited to be here.
0: Yay. I'm going to start with this. Lots of our younger server members are wondering what career options are out there for someone with a love of plants and gardening. You have a degree in horticulture and have used your knowledge to write books and contribute to gardening magazines like Fine Gardening. And you also draw gardening comics, which are super hilarious. Is this how you envisioned your career path when you decided to study horticulture?
2: Not not at all. <laughs> not, <laughs> not even a little bit, to be honest. Um, I started working, um, I went to graduate school for a while and then started working at a nursery uh, for the the especially unusual rare plants um, in Michigan. And then the garden writing thing sort of happened accidentally. (laughs) Um, And so I started with a gardening blog and then that turned into the first book and then the magazines. And um, I do a lot of speaking at gardening events and it sort of like added bit by bit I Do editing and a lot of other little side things that have sort of eventually built up to a career. So yeah, I didn't plan on this. It's sort of it's sort of unfolded, which has been which has been really fun. So I'm just That's kind of walking awesome. of the ride.
0: And how did the comics start? They're so funny. They're so true. They're so relatable.
2: I I started. I this was like way like pre trying to think when this was uh, quite a number of years ago, like 10 years ago or something. Um, I had my, uh, like a gardening blog when gardening blogs were really a big thing. And I wanted to make fun of one of my gardening friends. And so I drew a little. <laughs> okay. A little... That's a
0: great motivation. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I was at a gardening event in uh, uh, New York and the Texans were like, ooing and awing over plants that seemed very, very mundane to me. And I wanted to teach them <laughs> about it. Um, and so I, <laughs> I drew a little stick figure cartoon, and and it's had a good reaction. So I kept doing it, and then I now do it a fine gardening magazine for their social media, their Instagram and Facebook. Um, they they pay me to do it for them each week. That's so that so sort of cool. that keeps me doing it because it, it sounds like okay. Now it's like though so every every week I'm like I'm out of ideas. I'm officially out of ideas. and I have to try to browse <laughs> something else to draw. <laughs> They're just
0: these concise snippets of wisdom i love them
2: yeah and and no art skills required i mean they're very rough it's stick figures and speech bubbles but you know it works it gets the message across they
0: look pretty good gets the point across no problem there (laughs) so if you weren't doing this if you weren't writing so much what would you be doing
2: Probably working for a nursery. I really like propagating plants. I mean, growing from seeds, that's what I was doing when I started this. I worked for a small nursery that, you know, grew unusual plants. And I really, I really love that. It's really fun to, I love propagating plants, starting stuff from seed and being able to sell them to people. So that's probably where I would still be, still be, if I hadn't uh, gone down the garden writing path.
0: Can you give uh, some other ideas for people what they could do with a horticulture career?
2: So there's definitely lots in the nursery space from, you know, retail to like big wholesale growers that you can do. Um, public gardens are a big space. So, you know, there's botanic gardens all over the place. I have a lot of friends who work in, in public gardening. Um, so that's can be be really fun because it's a little less, you know, there's a, other challenges, but you get to make, you know, plant to garden displays. I mean, there's <laughs> lots of spaces within that from, you know, managing the, the experience of people visiting to propagating stuff behind the scenes and maintaining. Um, I have friends who do what's called estate gardening. So rich people hire them to take care of their gardens. Um, There's uh, just interesting people do garden coaching um, that Mm -hmm. I've seen more of where they, you know, essentially would come by and help people get started. who want to garden and get started, come in and help them solve problems in the yard. And of course, landscape design, landscape installation, landscape maintenance. There's a lot of different spaces between growing plants, uh, taking care of plants in other people's yards, public gardens, producing them, writing about them, talking about them. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things you can be doing, um, in, in the, in the gardening space, which is really fun.
0: Zappy, do you do some garden coaching? I
3: do. Um, it's actually pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just really fun because I am really into gardening, obviously. And I really mm-hmm. enjoy working with, Different challenges, and I really enjoy helping people figure out what they can do with the space that they have, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that could be a
0: It's kind of a basic thing, but it can be very hard to figure out what you can actually do with your space. Well, what, yeah, and especially, what will thrive like, there.
3: What will thrive there? You know, a lot of people have a hard time figuring out, in my experience with the people I've been working with. Um, sometimes they have a hard time figuring out exactly how much sunlight plants are actually going to get. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, mm -hmm. they're talking about building raised beds, and I'm like, you're on a slope here. Yeah. Are are you aware of that? (laughs) Um, And that's just something to work with, you know? So, it's a lot of fun. It's not, it's probably five to ten percent of what I do. Mm -hmm. um, But it is a lot of fun. And, You know, I think they enjoy it, too, because they keep asking me. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's a useful service for people, I think. Yeah.
3: Well, and I think there's so much information in gardening that it helps to be able to have someone who is, you know, really into gardening. So, like, a lot of people aren't really aware of the huge variety of native plant species that they could incorporate for supporting Mm -hmm. native species in their own gardens so yeah it's just having someone there who's super super nerdy about plants and gardening like I am or (laughs) yeah
0: and knows your area too I think that really helps yeah
3: yeah well and that's one of the things that came up for me um is I will see plants labeled native but I have lived in this area my whole life. I am a forager. I go hiking all the time and I'll see this plant labeled native. And I'll be like, I have never seen this plant in the wild before. Where is it native to? You know, and it turns out sometimes it's native to the U.S. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, well, we're we're a little more localized, right? Or it's native to a prairie and someone wants to plant it in a really shady part of their yard. It's like, well, this isn't going to work so well, you know, think, or something like I that. Think the
4: the worst offender for that I'd have to say is oxide daisies. I see them in wildflower packets all the time for seeds. <laughs> yeah. It is not native to North America.
0: Yeah. It makes me so oh. sad there's so much beautiful stuff that I should not be growing like oxide daisies and what the Brits call honesty? What yes. What's the botanical name?
2: Uh, lunaria.
0: Oh, is that? Maybe what? I'm thinking of something else. That's <laughs> oh.
2: like this, the silvery. Sweet. Kind of like, oh, no. oh I think oh. I'm thinking oh. of
0: sweet rocket. That's something else. It looks like oh. lunaria.
4: Oh, you were impressively fast with that Latin name, by the way. I was literally just having a discussion with a friend of mine
2: about them. So they're like on the top of my (laughs) mind right now.
0: (laughs) I think Lunaria actually is okay. I think it's the other one that looks just like it. The Sweet Rocket.
2: Oh, oh, oh. uh, James James Rocket. Rocket. Yes. yes. Oh, James Um, Rocket.
3: Yeah. Yes, yes.
0: Should not be growing that. I sowed some seeds and it bloomed forever, but I never planted it out. And I cut it before I could go to seed. It was growing in little plastic cups in a basically pile of, sitting on top of a pile of dirt that kind of rooted in. They were beautiful. I'm so sad that I really can't actually plant them. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) let's get (laughs) back to these questions that I have carefully prepared. I wanted to ask you, Joseph, you worked in a nursery, not just in Michigan, but also in Japan. How was that experience different than working in a nursery in Michigan?
2: It was really uh, it was really amazing. So that was while I was in college, I was at Ohio State getting my horticulture degree and they had a whole office on campus that set up international internships in agriculture. So, which was amazing, and they arranged for me to go and spend the summer working at this nursery in Japan. Um and it was fascinating. Um I mean, no one spoke English, so that was one big one big difference obviously. Oh. The setting was pretty was pretty incredible. Um I think it was interesting in terms of Japanese horticulture was the um, a, an average garden center in Japan had more you know more diversity than especially rare plants nursery in the U.S. Oh wow! Weird um, number of unusual plants and these little tiny hole in the wall places that would just be nothing but diff- slightly different variegated cultivars of Oh
0: my god, that Indian sounds like heaven!
2: Of, it's really it's really pretty incredible and it was it was just fun to see kind of top level horticulture being done there was there's nurseries that did nothing but propagate japanese maples for the european market and they just uh-huh. had fields and fields and fields of like hundreds of different cultivars so it was, it was so cool. really it was really really amazing and really kind of uh, overwhelming sometimes <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow and Another thing you do is being an editor of the North American Rock Garden Society quarterly journal.
2: That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, that's been really fun. I really enjoy that. So I did wrote a book the nursery I worked at specialized in rock garden alpine plants and then that led into my second book which is on rock gardening and that led into this job editing their journal. So that's it's really fun because um if I see someone doing cool things, I can then I want to know more about. I can ask them to write an article about it, and then I can, mm-hmm. so I kind of I kind of get to curate the articles that I want to read <laughs> um, and That's get people cool. to put them in there. So it's been really fun. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. It's kind of it's a different, um, a different skill set than what I've done before, but I, I've really been enjoying it.
0: That's cool. And you mentioned in Margaret Roach's podcast that they have an amazing seed list. Are those mostly alpine seeds?
2: it's not just alpine seeds so the rock garden society nominally specializes in sort of plants native to alpine uh regions but it's really just like extreme plant nerd society i would say <laughs> <laughs> um so they have a, a seed exchange so members collect seed from their gardens and send them in and then you can order seeds from the seed exchange and it is they certainly do have a lot of alpine plants um, but a lot of really cool native plants. I got a lot of like things you usually don't aren't able to get seed from like native trilliums um which almost never you're going to see seed for sale. Um so they have a lot it's a really interesting. Um you have to be a member to participate, but then you can order seeds from the seed mm-hmm. the seed exchange that happens every year and it's it's a really fun it's a really fun source of seeds that you just aren't going to be able to get anywhere else. Though I will say the one downside to seeds being collected from someone's garden is they're not necessarily always correctly identified. <laughs> yeah. so sometimes it's a little bit of a, a risk, but it's, it's a really fun, it's a really fun list of seeds to explore.
0: And this is North American Royal Garden Society. Does that mean that also includes Canada?
4: Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. So passy. Cool... Passy, I be the
0: a... $40 membership.
4: I've actually heard of that before too, and actually, I've I've heard something similar where it's it's super worth it if you're looking for like you know more rare or, or at least uncommon or Which just you
0: always difficult
4: are. to find native plants. So yeah, I mean, I've I've tossed around the idea of going for that, but I also don't have too many seeds to share. So you,
2: you don't have to share seeds to order. So if you if you have contributed seeds, then you are allowed to request more seed packets. Um, but even if you haven't, uh, like this year, I was moving last summer and I didn't collect any seeds, so I didn't have any seeds to send in. So there's no requirement to send in seeds to be able to order seeds. You can order more seeds if you did contribute, but um, there's there's way more people who, requesting seeds than people sending them in because you know people send in a big mass and they divide them up into envelopes, um, and a lot of people can get them. So yeah, it's a really fun it's a it's a really fun seed list for sure. <clears throat> well, that's that
0: super sounds- cool. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I'm actually considering it. <laughs> Maybe I should not do it this year because
4: the seed exchange just
2: ha- it just is happening right now. So it's, oh. if you want seeds, it's it's every every year it happens right after in the beginning of the year. What do you so- think,
0: Space Butler? Do I need more seeds?
1: Um, let me check those purchases that you've made recently.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs>
4: We're not going to hear back from him till the end of the podcast, I guarantee it.
0: <laughs> and then he'd be like, hold on, I'm not done yet. <laughs> okay, so I have another question about this whole rock gardening thing. Is, what can you grow in a rock garden? Can you grow, like, giant agaves in a rock garden?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think... The like classic rock garden is in England and is all about like growing little teeny tiny short yeah. alpine plants. Yeah, but I think American North American rock gardening is much more diverse and actually Denver is a big center of it. Denver Botanic Gardens has incredible rock gardens. And a lot of the sort of the American style is really growing not just alpine plants, but anything that really needs good drainage. So a lot mm-hmm. of Plants that are d- adapted to desert climates, so agaves and the hardy cactus and all kinds of other hardy succulents and stuff really do good in those same type of rocky, well-drained soil conditions. So, um, yeah, I do. I do some. I do some alpines, like true alpines, but more of them are things like hardy succulents. And especially if I'm trying to push the hardiness on an agave or something, you know, that's the, the rock garden is the place to do that because they they get they really love that sharp drainage.
0: Yeah, and you know, I live in Ohio and you know how the soil is in Ohio. It's yeah. just clay. <laughs> so I guess I would have to just pile on loads and loads of like rocky sandy stuff on top.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the technique is build up a raised area of really well drained sandy soil over that, that clay soil. And actually like even almost like pure sand and gravel, a layer of that over clay can be really great growing conditions because the plants have good drainage but they can send the roots down through that to mm-hmm. add as consistent moisture in that clay below and you can grow a lot of really cool things that way as long as you're like building up over you know kind of a raised bed um uh, or even just like a raised mound kind of effect
0: mm-hmm. how tall would be, you say that mound needs to be
2: it doesn't need to be so uh, so big so i would i've done i've um nursery I worked at we had some display beds which were pretty much just Places to show people what they looked like, and we could we mm-hmm. will build up like three or four inches as little oh, as that. Wow. Because sometimes it just you just need them not sitting like have their crown sitting in that soggy wet soil. Okay. That's gonna make them rot out, and just a little bit of layer keeps them. You know, the base of the plant from rotting out, and they the, uh, bigger stuff will. You can do certainly do more than that, but even just a few inches of a really well drained soil mix, you can do a lot of things that would rot if you put them in, you know, straight in that heavy clay.
0: Wow. That sounds a lot more affordable than like the foot that I was envisioning.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Big (laughs) ones. And then containers are a fun place to do it too. Um, So container gardens with again, a well-drained soil mix. Um, That's also fun for things if you want to do stuff that's not quite hardy. Um, So I was really into different species of almost hardy cactus. And then it's really easy to move that into like a garage or something. And, Mm -hmm shelter from the most extreme of the winter and also it's a you know a lot less investment than building a huge huge rock garden just filling up a a container with that kind of rock.
0: Mm -hmm. sounds very cool and then there's well at least one more very cool thing you're doing is your podcast with your husband josh that's called what's going on in the garden and you talk about what's going on in the garden
2: yeah (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah, we, we started that, I guess, last year, and then we moved, and so that disrupted everything for a while, we've been doing uh, new episodes again. So yeah, we've just been playing around with it. It's kind of fun. Um, the idea is to be more of a let's hang out and chat about gardening, less of like a, you know, here's interviews and how-tos about gardening, but we've been having a lot of fun doing it.
0: It's really fun to listen to. I've been really enjoying it. Well, and you. actually, we have a clip here, Space Butler.
1: Oh, yeah. Here we go.
2: Don't get me started on the seeds thing. Is everyone else like you with the seeds? Or is that just you? Everyone who's reasonable. And I don't know what you mean by like you with the seeds. Please explain to me how. There was no room in the refrigerator for food because of the seeds. So we bought a refrigerator for the seeds. And now, once again, there are seeds in the refrigerator where the food is supposed to be. And what comes in the mail every three days? Seeds. More seeds. Uh You have more seeds. Then you will ever be able to grow. The amount of land it would require to grow the seeds. Okay. Stop looking at me like we're gonna get the divorce. <laughs> I don't know what your point is, but... I think you have too many seeds. Well, you're wrong. Think. That is not physically possible to have too many seeds.
0: Zappi okay, is freaking I... up. <laughs>
5: when I, when I, I listen... Crappied.
3: I- I'm cracking up because earlier today, my partner was like, we should buy another freezer for your seeds. Oh my <laughs> oh my God, God, what a supportive <laughs>
0: partner. <laughs> wow, he deserves uh, a gold star.
4: Okay, um, and last year, I think it was, um, I I actually got into, like, almost an argument with my significant Uh, other. And so when I heard that in your podcast uh, earlier this week, I, I cackled because (laughs) I was going to buy a second fridge for my seeds.
0: I actually have a separate fridge for my Dahlia tubers. Holy shit.
3: (laughs) Okay, but Dahlia tubers are a lot bigger. I feel like that's a lot more reasonable than the sheer... Number of seeds you need to fill a freezer with. You know, like you could be a fairly reasonable person <laughs> and fill a fridge with Dahlia.
1: <laughs> That's what you guys keep telling yourself.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right now, you're the minority space butler.
0: Yeah, look at how supportive their significant others are.
1: And what a great community. Well, I got into a fight.
0: Yes. Oh, you guys got into that? a fight with mine, so I
1: don't <laughs>
4: think that counts.
0: Uh, are there any seeds you are particularly excited about joseph
2: this year oh my goodness well i'm always excited i do i like to breed roses um and have since i was a teenager so i that's always really exciting when the rose seed starts to germinate because i have a new generation of roses coming on so that's there's they're germinating right now so i'm kind of all giddy about those in in this instance
4: is there is there a seed out there that's like like your white whale you know like it's it's that one seed of species that you just like you just want so bad you've never been able to get your hands on it. Well, I will. There's a species of gladiolus
2: um, that I've been wanting for like a decade, and I got it. This I found a German company that would, that was would sold it to me. Um, gladiolus watsonioides, which is native to like the top of um, um, Mount Kenya. Um, that I've been wanting for a long time. And I finally got seeds and I sowed them, but they haven't germinated yet. And I'm just sitting there like every day, like you better sprout, you better sprout. Um,
0: (laughs) Well, now you have the collective minds and hearts of our community backing you up.
2: Well, I appreciate that. (laughs) You can
0: do it, little seedies. (laughs) About your rose breeding, are there any traits that you try to breed for?
2: So I'm always interested in like disease resistance first and foremost. I don't like fussing with my plants. Um, so I want and but so I want plant roses that are vigorous and easy to grow and the disease yeah. resistant. But then not ugly. Like knockouts <laughs> are kinda kinda like Neh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, which is what everyone who breeds roses want, which is like pretty yeah. easy to grow fragrant roses. Um but I've also been working with formless varieties lately. Mm-hmm. Um so that's been fun. So yeah, roses without some of the pain in the butt, literal pain in the butt <laughs> aspects.
0: So are you looking to patent some uh sell them?
2: Thinking about it. I'm every year I'm thinking this is the year I want to set up like a little online store. Um uh-huh. So I don't know. It may be it may be if I get my act together this year. I I like I breed gladiolus too. I do a lot, uh-huh. do a lot of stuff. Um, and I've been selecting for gladiolus that are hardy to zone five, so you don't have to dig them up every oh, year. Oh,
0: that sounds amazing. I'd buy so some of is, that seed.
2: Yeah, so I have a bunch of the of the bulbs that I've been multiplying and then this year it's so looking at I think I have enough to try to sell them, but then trying to figure out a... So I'm, in, this year, I may, I may, like, set up a little Etsy shop and try to sell a few of those bulbs from my gladiolus varieties. But I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. All
5: right. Speaking of
0: getting seedy with it, let's see what questions our audience has. Space Butler?
1: Yeah. So Velociraptor asks... What's the best place to store seeds, dark closet or refrigerator? How do seeds stored in fridges not get condensation?
5: Well, I, okay.
3: Sure, Um, so in general, the best storage for non-tropical seeds, at least to my knowledge, is as cold and as dry as you can get them. So my vote is either in the fridge or the freezer in a sealed container with one of those little silica packets that come in pill bottles to absorb the moisture.
0: Is that what you do, Joseph?
2: Yeah, that's what I do as well. I do it in the refrigerator with the silica gel. Um, And if I didn't have silica gel, I think I would just put it in the refrigerator in an open container that wouldn't uh, collect condensation. So an uh-huh. open purple box or something, not in plastic, where you would get condensation.
0: Are there any tropical seeds that you ever need to store?
2: I store everything in the refrigerator. Um, I don't freeze any of my seeds, which I think is where you have more chance of getting damage with tropical varieties. Yeah, um,
3: that's
0: probably the dividing line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I was reading about recalcitrant seeds, so I feel really smart now, but I might need one of you actually smart people to explain that Cassie, you want to do the honors
4: I mean sure, if you want me to um uh, the, the the big difference between uh i shouldn't say between seeds but there's there's a quite a gradient when it comes to seeds with how plants. You know, just like let them be. And it's based on how metabolically active the little seedling or little, the little plant inside of the seed actually is. And with a lot of garden plants, the really dry ones that you get in stores, they're typically what's called orthodox, which means that they've been able to dry out and frequently they can also be chilled quite aggressively. And that doesn't cause them to get too damaged. Being chilled out doesn't damage them because they're already dehydrated, and so there's less like there's less chance of ice crystals developing. And then you have recalcitrant seeds, and recalcitrant seeds they're essentially unorthodox, and so they can't handle drying out because that damages the cells, and they can't handle frequently they can't handle also getting cold. But that's not always the case. There are there's like the pawpaw uh, tree oh. in North America that you do want to chill down the seeds but they can't handle drying out. Um so there's there's always like weird little gradients there too. But yeah, a big thing with especially like the seed packets you get in stores is frequently they're you know orthodox, they can dry, chill and then recalcitrant where either they can't be chilled or they can't dry or both. And a lot of tropical plants are like that. Mm-hmm. Which also makes them really crappy to try and get if you live where I do because then you just can't. Yeah.
0: They get the bad temperatures on the way there.
4: <laughs> oh, That's the worst.
0: To the frozen hellscape.
4: I've been looking into overnighting seeds because of yeah. that and it's like like a hundred or two hundred dollars just for shipping oh. and like a little package of seeds. Oh. And I'm still tempted on it. <laughs>
5: maybe can oh. you
0: order in the summer or is that too humid
4: it, it it's all dependent on the species with with some species they just can't handle the seeds being essentially stored for very long mm-hmm. um or they can't handle drying or cooling and so it it really is just a matter of like when a company gets seeds i have to basically be ready to just shove my money into their pockets and just have them you know overnight ship these seeds from america oh. or from central america or wherever wow just super good big yeah. fan of spending money
5: <laughs> and the industry
0: loves you for it they do <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay so that our next question is from exotic uh he asks how can you test seed germination
3: So the standard way that I see people do it is you put, and this is for, you know, vegetable garden seeds or whatever. Um, You put them on a moistened towel in a Ziploc bag and you put like 10. So the percentages are really easy to figure out. Um, And you (laughs) give them the temperature range that they're supposed to sprout well in and you wait and you see how many... Actually, germinate. And that's, I mean, that's really easy to do. So if you have reason to question the, you know,
0: vitality
3: of your seeds, then that's a pretty easy test.
0: And hopefully you have more than 10 seeds. Yeah.
3: But I mean, (laughs) also just be super gentle and transplant them out because a lot of people have a hard time thinning things.
0: (laughs) I do. I love them all. I can't... It's hard to, you know, knowingly kill them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'll admit I've never tested seed germination since I did it in, like, a a seed science class in college. Because if I have a packet of seeds, I just, like, well, if I'm not sure it's going to germinate, I just sow it like usual and see if they germinate rather than testing it and then sowing it. Um, Yeah.
3: That's what I usually do as well. But, like, if I find a seed packet that's really old and was stored terribly, I might just be like, well, I'll just sow them all. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I do. If they're one of those kinds that don't, you know, store very well.
0: (laughs) But, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think the only time Um. I would do it if I was, like, sending seeds to somebody and wanted to find out before I ship them.
0: Oh yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm.
2: I'm sending dead seeds. But for myself, I'm kind of like, well, it's just as easy to throw them in a pot as it is yep. to put them in a plastic bag.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, Pota- P- Potato
1: asks, is it necessary to plant garlic or onions in autumn, or is it possible to plant them in spring and fake the cold period by putting them in
2: the fridge? So... This is a really interesting question, and I, I'll, I'll admit that I've not tried it. But I think if you did put them in the fridge, you would probably need to put them in pots of soil in the fridge because they do initiate the root growth in the fall, um, and that's part of the reason why you plant garlics, you know, garlic in the fall, um, so we can get its root growth. in and, you know, and so I think you could, but I I wouldn't put just your garlic in the in the of the fridge. I my, I would assume I would do it like I was forcing bulbs and put them in a pot of soil and let them get rooted and then give them that cold period. But um, I don't have direct personal experience with it, but that would be my, my uh, assumption as approaching. Them. Okay.
1: Uh, we have two related questions here. Uh, Tosta's 300 asks, what uh, are your best tips for growing cacti from seed? And team Valor asks, what do I do after cactus seeds sprout and get the, uh, cotyledons. Uh, cotyledons, thank you.
0: <laughs> Passy.
4: Um, sure. I mean, uh, I I love growing cacti from seed. I really do enjoy it. So I, I really like these questions. Um, when it comes to growing cacti from seed, the method that I've found that works really, really well is. Before I plant any or sow any cacti seeds, what I do is I'll take boiling water and I'll pour it into whatever the growing media I'm using to kind of just pasteurize it. Uh, I'm not sterilizing it. I wish I had just like the time and equipment to sterilize all the soil, but I don't. Um, but I, I pasteurize the soil by just you know pouring a bunch of boiling water and I let it cool a little bit and then I pour boiling water in again. And I do that so that I can kind of just kill off as much as I can in the soil. And then after I let it cool, what I'll do is I'll take the cacti seeds and I'll surface sow them. I don't sow them below. I always, I I read this advice online all the time where people say they they take the seeds, they put them down, and then they sprinkle dirt on top. I, I don't um, because most cacti not all but most cacti when they release their seeds the seeds just end up on the surface of whatever Mm -hmm. medium they're growing on or they end up in poop um nice which you know for a plant that's ideal but (laughs) after that once I put the seeds on top of the this like surface of this wet media what I'll do is um it's in a pot I'll take the pot and I will put it like in a plastic bag And by doing, and I'll just seal it. And by doing that, I prevent, you know, any kind of like fungus gnats from getting in and, you know, starting to occupy this now pasteurized soil. But it also keeps the humidity in the container extremely high, which baby cacti actually really, really like. They really like to have it very high humidity. They don't mind that whatsoever. People always think that, you know, cacti want it dry all the time. But when they're babies, they haven't developed any of that succulent tissue. And Mm -hmm. so while they're still babies, they actually prefer it quite moist and they don't like super high temperature or crazy amounts of light. I say that as a generalization, there are some cacti that actually germinate around 30 degrees Celsius in that kind of temperature range. So there's always weird ones. Um, and then the other thing is when it comes to them sprouting and, you know, they've shown their little cotyledons and it's, they're, they're so cute when they do that. <laughs> I leave them and it, it it's so hard. And I see people do it all the time. They see the little cacti have germinated and they unwrap it or they'll unwrap the plastic around the container. They unseal the container. Mm -hmm. You know, they take it out of the plastic bag. Don't do that. Just just don't do that. Like leave (laughs) the container for like four months, six months, if you can, just don't touch it. Don't disturb it. You, because as you disturb it, you know, you can change the humidity inside of that container and it does fluctuate really rapidly and that can yeah. shock the little plants. But you also introduce things like, you know, potential for mold or all these other kind of fun little things into it. And so it's it's just not worth it. Just seal it. Forget about it. Just forget it exists. And in like six months when you can open it because you see it's starting to develop more than six months, issues, then wow. you're doing it.
0: Wow. So is is six months when you consider them not being babies anymore?
4: I do look through like the, I I plastic wrap a lot of pots or I do the plastic bag. And so I can kind of see into it without opening it up and I'll watch and I'll see any kind of adult tissue. And even then, even when it's developing that adult tissue, I still just leave it. I, I just find it's the longer I've put it off, the better they've done before I have started to kind of like, you know, Introduce them into like a more dry environment, and so I would recommend like several months at least. Just just leave it.
0: So Did you bottom water?
4: Uh, after I after I unwrap them for the plastic wrapped ones, um, what I'll do is I put them in a tray with a humidity dome, and so they're still in a really high humidity environment. And yeah, I bottom water them. I I give like a single tray about four liters of water a week. And so, like it's wow. a lot of water, and they're in a pretty is... warm environment, and there's a lot of airflow, so the water does dissipate pretty quickly. But you know, like they're in a very—it's very moist.
0: So the whole time horrible. they're wrapped up, you're not giving them any extra water. It's just a terrarium, basically.
4: Yeah, 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 and they're perfectly fine with that for the most. Wow. part.
0: Joseph, but, do you grow that's... a lot of succulents and cacti? I...
2: I, I also love growing cactus from seed because, and the cotyledon stage is the best because they are the cutest. The cutest <laughs> cute. They're so oh, cute. They just like true. Fat little baby cactus. They're adorable. Um, I use a very similar technique. I My favorite thing is actually I go to the dollar store and they have those disposable aluminum casserole pans mm-hmm. that come with a clear plastic lid that fits pretty tightly over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use those a lot for cacti and other things that need high humidity while they're germinating. Um, if you get impatient, which I do with cactus, you can also graft them when they're very tiny. Um, I've done this a few times. You can, As soon as you start seeing a little adult tissue on those baby little cactus, you can slice them off with a razor blade and graft them onto a bigger mature cactus, a fast-growing one. And then that... the the little seedling will grow quite rapidly um, once you've got that grafted onto a bigger cactus and it gets you past that because cactus stay teeny tiny seedlings forever it's just like they take so long to get enough size up to actually photosynthesize and grow Um, so grafting them is a fun shortcut to bigger cactus
4: faster
5: wow that's that's an advanced move (laughs) (laughs)
4: I I actually, I came across a paper forever ago, and so I'll probably dig it up and I'll see if I could send it to you guys to also post along with this, where it's actually a paper discussing just all the different things for cacti for like germinating them, because some of them really like to have a nice cold nighttime temperature, but then a hot daytime temperature. And then Mm -hmm. other ones like Opuntia cacti, they I found they prefer if you were to soak them for just a little bit in sulfuric acid and then you sow them. Ooh. And so, yeah, there's there's all these cool little nuances for that whole family. And, it, you know, if you don't do your homework, which I, I've, I'm i guilty of a lot of the time, cacti, if it's like a puntia, they just they just don't germinate or some where they actually prefer the seeds to germinate several years after they've come off the plant. And so Mm -hmm. holding on to them for a while actually does better. Wow. Complicated Uh, stuff.
1: Speaking of uh, soaking plants in solution, uh, (laughs) J. Levo asks, are there any plant seeds that benefit more or less from a soak in potassium nitrate, a KNO3, before germination? Also, is there anywhere where this is absolutely necessary for the plant development or where it's a complete no-go and will prevent germination?
2: I was so I was like so excited to see this question because I haven't thought about potassium nitrate soaks in a long time. So potassium nitrate can be used to encourage to soften seed coats on harder seeds. So some seeds that have those really hard seed coats, and then also can speed up germination in some species. But the impact varies a lot by species. And I um, I would recommend if you're interested in this look at your specific plant and then go to Google Scholar. So scholar.google, um, which will bring up just scientific papers and search the, the genus you're interested in and potassium nitrate. And then you might be able to find some research papers showing it because the results are all over the map. Some plants, it will speed up germination. Some plants, it will slow it down. High concentrations might kill it. Um, you definitely, you know, I would say, if you're growing tomatoes, there's no reason to fuss with it. it Maybe this kind of thing where you're, you have uh, something like opuntias or some of these other things that sometimes are just fussy and obnoxious to get to germinate and you're growing a lot of them, you could certainly play with it. Um, but you you may well have to do your own experiments to find out. Uh, so I would, I would suggest if you can't find any research on it and you have a specific plant that you are struggling to germinate, Um, I would set up a mini experiment of doing untreated and then try various concentrations of potassium nitrate soaks to see which one's optimal for that particular seed. And if you're into like mad scientist kind of uh, chemical soaks for your seeds, the other thing to really play with is gibberellic acid, Um, so GA3. So that's a plant hormone that's involved in inducing germination. And it can be especially valuable for plants that usually would need a cold period to germinate. And you can, substitute gibberellic acid for that cold period so if you don't want to wait the three months chilling period to get your roses or whatever to germinate uh, gibberellic acid is another thing you can play with but again you're probably going to have to experiment a little bit to find the right concentrations and treatment times they're going to be the most effective for a particular plant that you're struggling with
0: where might one get such an acid
2: <laughs> you can get everything on amazon Oh, okay. It used to be hard. I remember when I was in college, I was like, wanted to play with it and was trying to find a source. And now it's just like, yeah, it's very available. (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
4: Yeah, I use, I use gibberellic acid actually all the time. And I got to say, I love it. That stuff is, (laughs) it's the bee's knees for germinating seeds. That's a a good recommendation.
0: Wow. Wow.
2: The high, high doses can kill the plants too. It can cause them to grow too rapidly and and die. So wow. it's you, you want to start and and if you're something you're germinating a lot with, maybe play with a couple different concentrations just to find one that's going to be the most effective. But yeah, it can be really can be really great. We're pushing acid here on the podcast and bubble. Well,
0: you know we what have seed starting parties. Sometimes this might be one that goes a little dangerous. <laughs> Oh, is this the right time to lean into the mic and try the, the whole intimate whispering, getting dangerous with the seeds thing? How's that?
4: Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's what I was talking about.
0: Yeah, okay, okay, got it. Still learning this whole podcasting thing.
4: <laughs> We're discussing acid, we could talk about Hawaiian baby wood rose seeds, but I'm actually going to not say anything more about those.
0: i leave <laughs> people
4: to think about it and Google it themselves and get on a list that way.
0: I see. That'll be on a different
1: podcast.
0: <laughs> Things not uh, to be
4: <laughs> How to end up on
1: All right. podcast. Great. Uh, <laughs> moving on, Swag uh, asks, should flowers always dry on the plant for the seeds to be viable, or does it not affect the seeds?
2: Uh, I would just say quickly, varies wildly from plant to plant. But often, you can harvest seeds when they're still fairly green. Um, and often when I'm collecting seeds from plants in the garden and that I want to catch them before they blow away I do harvest them a little bit before they're fully dry and then cut them off the plant and then let them dry in a bag just so if they you know the seed pods are going to explode or break open I let them dry inside in a paper bag rather than outside on the plant Um, and then some plant seeds you can germinate when they're still quite green actually so uh, zinnia seeds for example you can harvest like when they're still very soft and green and they'll germinate just fine. And also some seeds, if you harvest them when they're slightly immature, they have less dormancy requirements. So roses again, normally need like a three month, three month chilling period to germinate. But if you harvest them slightly immature, they can germinate right away. If you harvest them too immature, they will not grow at all. So it's like finding that window there. Um, So it varies a lot by the, by the plant. Um, but yes, yeah, sometimes you can certainly harvest them green, and a lot of times you can harvest them slightly green just to make it easier to not lose them to whatever, how they would naturally disperse, um, which they usually, as soon as they're ripe, they're ready to spread away from the plant. So harvesting them a little bit early often makes it a little easier to keep control of that.
0: Are there any common things that people grow, like tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, that Would also be okay harvested a little early, or is that something you really want to... Well, I guess those aren't flowers, but (laughs) anything that uh, maybe a beginning gardener would have in their garden? Is there anything that you can harvest a little early and still get germination?
2: So zinnias, I know you can harvest quite early. I believe marigolds you can... Mm-hmm. Don't sunflowers, tomatoes. You can harvest not when they're fully immature, but you can pick them a little bit before full red ripe and harvest viable seeds from them.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, don't know off the top of my head from other things, but you Bell
5: yeah, peppers. I, you... Okay, oh, yeah. that's
0: interesting. Oh. I did not know that.
1: All right, uh, exotic asks. What does plant as soon as soil can be worked mean? My <laughs> soil is thawed for a few days, then we get a freeze, and it's frozen overnight, then thaws in the morning. I'm at, am I able to start planting peas, or should I wait longer?
2: I hate, I would, that's like advice that I wish would die, the like, as soon as soil can be worked, because what does that mean? It's like, it's such, <laughs> I feel like that's thrown around a lot, and it doesn't mean anything. Um, the uh, peas you should plant when your soil is about 55 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, that's when it's going to be the right temperature for them to germinate. If you live in a cold climate where the soil is frozen all winter, then you're, once it's thawed and not too soggy, then it probably is around that thing. But I would get, I have a thermometer. I think it's for cooking. You know, it's like a meat thermometer, but mm-hmm. I use it to measure soil temperature. And you can usually find the temperature bit a seed once just in google you know like google the name of the plant and then like germination temperatures or soil temperatures um but i would just go by a thermometer rather than trying to guess what as soon as the soil can be worked uh, is because that's really so so vague that it's not not particularly helpful
0: i've also googled soil temperature where like your local university might be recording soil temperatures you can find that info i was actually googling that in the context of applying a pre-emergent uh herbicide to my grass but i bet that could also work for seed starting
2: yeah i bet you could i bet you could find some i bet there's yeah sources out there that would find your your local soil temperature may vary a little bit but at least give yeah. you an, yeah. in the right park yeah
0: yeah
4: also actually with overnight frosts i i haven't grown peas in a while. Aren't they quite susceptible to like frost damage? So it would be best even regardless of soil temperatures to just avoid putting them outside during are these they... overnight frosts.
3: I am actually taste. not sure. Don't think so. <laughs> no, yeah, okay. Okay. Maybe I'm just peas, crazy. Like, every year they're the first okay. thing I put out there. How early do you plant happy? Um I try to hold off till March. <laughs> but sometimes it's earlier than that.
0: Wow. Okay, well, that's good info for Exotic, because he's actually somewhere close to you. Oh, Pacific cool. Northwest.
3: Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there... Yes. Peas are one of the earliest crops you can plant out. And, I mean, yeah. just in general, I feel like a lot of people have this idea that uh, seedlings are... Like they just have this idea that vegetables can't take frost. Some people do, I've seen. Um, but like I've got spinach seedlings and they're doing fine. Like there's a lot of actually very hardy, frost tolerant vegetables out there. So yeah, you don't need to wait until you've passed your last frost date.
2: And if you're somewhere that gets like where I am in the Midwest if you wait till the last frost date and plant peas, then it's going to get too hot for them to, because they do not like hot weather. So you want to get them in the ground. And I bet, I don't know. I was, I used to live in the edge of like zone seven and eight. And I wanted to try sowing my peas in the fall because they can take some pretty cold. Yeah,
3: so I I actually have done that. (laughs) Um, And I've done two versions of it. I've done it where you plant it like towards the end of summer. So you get a fall harvest. And that worked really well. And I also did the version where you actually do plant it in fall, aiming for them to be about four inches tall to overwinter, and that also works quite well. Although you then do have to be looking out for some damage all winter long, which is tedious. (laughs) But aside from that, it works great.
2: (laughs) Yeah, But I think if the soil temperature is below around 50 Celsius, then you don't get... That's about where they won't germinate. So if the soil is super cold and wet, they aren't going to germinate very well. But once they're up and growing, they can take pretty cold temperatures.
5: Mm. Okay. Cool.
1: All right. Um, Rose asks, why do some seeds need cold stratification and others don't?
5: Evolution.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Does someone or
3: I mean, yeah. So I should probably let one of you two, but like around here, a lot of the ones that need the cold stratification are perennials. So they need that cold stratification to make sure they come up at the right time because it's not great for them. Like they're not it's not growing. Good growing conditions for them if they come up in fall and immediately go into winter. So the cold stratification is there as an evolutionary response to make sure that they go dormant the whole winter through. And then once it starts warming up again in spring, they start growing and they get that whole growing season before they have to face winter again.
1: All right. Uh, Tato asks... How does one best store succulent seeds long-term and how may one germinate them in a hot and humid above 50% humidity and temperatures up to 47 degrees C tropical climate? I want to know about how to do this with different types of succulents like moonstones, echeverias, sedums, hiwarthas, crassulas, and cacti. So I guess we touched, uh, touched on this before, um, but uh, any any further advice for, for doing this kind of thing?
0: 47C is 116.6 Fahrenheit. Ouch. Oh.
4: Yeah. <laughs> up there. I will say for storing succulent seeds, uh, I definitely would recommend taking them, you know, putting them in envelopes with like silica gel pack or something, put it in a container and putting them in the fridge. Uh, just, you know, because that's nice, cold, dark, they'll be fine there. Um, But yeah, uh, up to 47 is that's pretty absurd. Um, Most most of the plants you just kind of listed there. um, Again, even though they're really large groups and you're going to find weird oddities, you know, like a lot of those really prefer germinating between like 20 to like 25, maybe 30 degrees Celsius tops. So if possible, To do what I kind of described earlier with, you know, the whole surface sewing thing and putting them in a like a nice, you know, which if you're in the northern hemisphere, put them in a south facing window. If you're in the southern hemisphere, put them in a north facing window. If you're on the equator, then do whatever you think works best. and that way, they can get kind of warmed by sunlight, but they're not also going to get cooked in forty-seven degrees Celsius because that's absurd. So, as um, in
0: India, for context.
4: Okay, yeah, that's a lot. Um, I would, I would definitely recommend trying to germinate them in the time of the year where you're going to be seeing daylight te- day- daylight temperatures around you know twenty to thirty degrees Celsius, um, because that's when the seeds will most likely germinate, and then hopefully you can get them grown up well enough that you know, by the time you are hitting these like incredibly high temperatures that they're a little bit ready to deal with that or a little bit ready to handle that. I should also say actually for, for quite a number of succulents, they're what's called positively photoblastic, which means that they germinate better when they're in direct sunlight, which is why I recommend surface sowing them is because then that way the seeds actually do get hit by sunlight, which for cacti and then as well as some others, that does help them quite a bit.
0: And coincidentally, positively photoblastic is the name of my favorite band. <laughs> yes, come yeah, for the well- knowledge, stay for the bad jokes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I-, I was gonna say po- positively photoblastic is uh what uh what I say when I when I'd stay out in the sun too long. So
0: that's <laughs> <laughs> true too. <laughs>
1: Uh, exotic asks why do pansy seed packets say they need darkness to germinate
2: is there anything else that needs darkness to germinate once again the answer is is evolution um basically some seeds need darkness to germinate some need as we just we just mentioned need light to germinate um
4: i didn't plan that i didn't
2: plan that at all what a good segue perfectly um basically some seeds is basically a, a, an adaptation to make sure the seed is in the right position for the seedling to thrive so Seedlings, some seeds like light to germinate, so they want to germinate when they're on the surface of the soil. Usually that's small seeds, often really tiny seeds are going to need light to germinate because if they're buried deep in the soil, they're not be able to push up through that deep soil to get growing. And then some seeds prefer to be buried under the soil. And so if they're buried under the soil, they have darkness and then that's the right position for them to germinate. Um, So usually you can find out if something needs darkness or light to germinate. Again, Just like Google is wonderful, put the name of your plant and then germination into Google and usually you're going to find information on what they need. Um, My rule of thumb is usually if it's a really tiny seed, something fine and dust-like, often I'm going to sow that right on the soil surface and give them light to germinate. And then larger seeds, I want to bury deeper so that they have darkness to germinate. And most of the time, that's not going to lead you astray. If you just sort of bury, you know, give them light or dark based on the, the size of the seed, that works pretty pretty consistently for a lot of things.
1: Okay. Team Valor asks, will a damaged Taproot kill a Seedling?
4: Zappy, do you want to take this one?
3: Oh, um, not in general, although, I mean, it won't kill outright the Seedling in general, depending on what it is, of course. Some things are much more fussy. But what it will do, especially with vegetables where we eat the taproot like carrots uh you'll end up with some really funky roots but i've had i was helping out with a chestnut tree growing project and there were quite a few that ended up with broken taproots and i was like i'm going to give this a try i'm going to plant them up and they grew so i feel like plants are a lot more resilient in general there are always exceptions uh than we expect but I wouldn't expect breaking a taproot of most things to lead to its death.
0: Certainly not for dandelions. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good luck with that.
1: (laughs) So radio Vic asks, I've seen several gardener YouTubers talk about starting seeds outside in the winter, even in the snow. Do y'all have any personal experience doing that or have any opinions on it?
2: So I currently have a lot of seeds outside in, in, the, in the snow in my garden. Um, so I, we talked about cold stratification and plants having different requirements for germination. So often cold hardy perennials and trees and shrubs need that period of cold temperatures before they germinate. And the easiest way to do that is plant them and put them outside and in the winter as they would in nature and get that that cold treatment. I do see a lot of people doing it for things that don't make sense to me. Plants like vegetable seedlings that don't require a cold treatment. And there are a lot of seeds that can sit outside in the cold and survive and then will germinate once it warms up, but don't quite know why you would, um, but I, I do see that recommended a lot that I, and it's always, a, I mean, it's, I guess it works, but I'm, I've never f- found it to be very uh, productive for things that don't require a cold treatment.
0: Well, that's a new sound space, baller. Whatever does that mean?
1: Oh, well, that's, uh, that's signifying that we're, we're, going to start our non-infringing word blank game that we just came up with the name of yesterday.
0: You came up with the name. I think we should call it word holes.
2: Yeah. I, I don't know. Photoblastic, but oh,
0: <laughs>
1: that would
2: be a good name.
1: All right. So, uh, for this um this little game here we're going to ask the audience uh, for some uh some words uh and then we're going to make a fun uh paragraph uh, out of those words. Uh you might be familiar with this type of game before but this is uh this is definitely a non-infringing word blank game. So uh uh so um I think IG is going to choose some members of the, uh, the uh, people in the chat here.
0: Yeah, raise your hand if you're here.
4: Yeah, Can you say be in the stooped? chat. Dude. Can you be sued for, like, copyright no. infringement if you specifically uh, say that the game is not a copyright infringement in the title? Uh,
1: so I know a little bit about uh, copyright and games and patents and that sort of thing. Uh, the actual rules of a game cannot be uh, cannot be patented or, or copyrighted in any fashion, but uh, names can be.
0: Hmm. That's why it's called word holes.
1: The more I'm saying, the more people like it, right? (laughs) Yeah. Don't know about that. Um, All right. So.
0: Okay. Who uh, is first here? Let's do Badger.
1: All right. uh, Badger, uh, give me a plant.
0: Badger, if you're around, type in a plant.
1: Oh, cactus.
0: Cactus oh, okay. is,
1: is chosen. Cactus. Okay.
0: Okay. Now we have Pika.
1: Uh, yeah. Give me a adjective. Oh, is uh Pika having some some technical difficulties?
0: He he might be. Let's circle back to him.
5: Okay. Let's do bear. Looking for an adjective spiky, all right. And now, next,
1: next up is plant plural.
5: Oh,
0: what a surprise! Pothos, or is it pothos? How do you guys say it?
1: Yeah, what's the plural of pothos?
0: What's the po- singular of Pothos? Is it Pothos or Pothos? Pothai. Pothai. <laughs> I don't
2: know. <laughs> I like that. I'll
1: go with that one.
0: Okay, write down Pothai, even if that's incorrect.
1: Pothai. You like
0: Pothai. Uh.
1: Okay. Um.
5: <laughs> I think we we I,
0: just I... accidentally said something bad <laughs> in bad language. I...
1: Pothos sounds okay. Well, let, let's move on to the next one. Uh, okay, we want okay. another plant, plant, per, uh, plant plural for the next one.
0: Uh, let's do Joseph.
2: Um, uh, uh, dahlias. Next, we have
1: a gardening activity ending in ing. Asti. Weeding.
5: A classic. Mm-hmm. Next is an adjective. How about Zappy? Zappy, you there? Suspenseful. <laughs> oh no,
1: Zappy was having some technical difficulties earlier.
0: Okay, let's go back to Badger then. Oh, oh, okay, there she is, colorful.
1: Uh, next is a famous gardener.
0: Badger, can you
5: handle that one? Don.
0: Monty Don, I assume. Okay. Oh, no. Don was short for don't know, but let's go with Monty Don. (laughs) (laughs) It was convenient. (laughs) Next,
1: Next is a color.
0: Nico S.B.,
5: are you in event chat? Might have to come back
0: to Nico. Pika, are you there?
4: If not, uh. I, uh, I'm i going to vote chartreuse because it's a really awful color.
0: I love ah. chartreuse. <laughs> I adore oh. chartreuse in the garden. Oh, man. Nicotiano, wow. lime green, absolute favorite. Any hosta or uh, hookah in that color, love it. All right, let's go with chartreuse. Pantone okay. 448C. Is that chartreuse, or are you just being funny bear? No. Wait, no, you're not being funny?
1: <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> okay, not
0: chartreuse, but it is a color. Okay.
1: Let's, uh, let's move on. The next one is gardening style.
0: Bear, it's your turn. Wild.
1: Okay. Next is garden tool.
0: Bubs. <laughs> a knife! All caps. Make sure to write it in all
5: caps. It's gotta be hoe. Okay. Come on, <laughs> uh, a knife? That that is a gardening tool. hmm Plant pest.
0: If yeah, pike back.
2: Still technical
0: it. difficulties. Let's do Joseph. A mealy bug. Oh, that's a good one because it's a bad one. It's
2: the worst, the worst one.
5: <laughs> yes, evil buggers.
1: <laughs> uh, next is die. a verb ending in ed.
0: I see. I'm
5: trying to blink on this.
4: <laughs> you know what you know, what, if I, what if I were to just say weeded sure yeah, I'll, I'll unoriginally throw that one out again
0: that's well, fine
4: okay
1: uh, and the last one is plant plural
5: Zappy lemons all right Okay, so
1: this is called uh, Lord of the Blanks. So in in J.R.R. Tolkien's famous trilogy, Lord of the Cactus, the first book is called Fellowship of the Cactus. In this book, a group of spiky hobbits flee their hometown. They eventually join into a fellowship made up of uh, pothos, elves, and dahlias. With the goal of weeding the one cactus. (laughs) They begin by traveling through the colorful mountains where Monty Don, the chartreuse, is lost. They continue on to the forest where the queen of the... uh, Wild gives them a knife to ride down the river. At the end of the book, Merry and Pippin get captured by mealybugs, and Frodo is weeded by one of his fellow lemons and leaves on his own, but with Sam.
4: I refuse to ever weed a cactus. Don't you dare.
5: Aww.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Was your word, (laughs) Patsy?
1: You chose it. Oh, no. Hoisted on your own patard.
4: <laughs> oh wait, no, I didn't. That wasn't me. You can't put that on me.
0: Mm, I believe you said weeded.
4: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. The weeded was yeah, but not cactus.
0: Okay.
1: That's
5: true. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. All right. We've got uh, we've got one more here. Um. So this time we need a noun.
0: Okay, whose turn was it now? Is it
5: badger's turn? Free. Free, okay. Verb? Bear? What's
0: your verb? Run? Is that a plant-related word?
1: It doesn't need to be plant-related. It doesn't? No, it doesn't need to be plant-related. It's probably better if it isn't.
0: Alright, fine, okay.
1: Trust me on this.
0: Okay, okay. Run is good. Uh,
1: next I trust it, I'm ne- sure. Next is noun.
0: Bubs. Is it gonna be pothos again?
1: Uh, no, not plant related. It doesn't have to be.
0: Where's <laughs> the basement? That is plant related.
1: That's uh, basement related. <laughs> have you I'll been running that? that? Um I I you know, I, I had dinner, so I'm good. Nice. Uh the uh, <laughs> next one is adjective.
0: Um, Joseph.
5: Vertruuse. again.: Yes, nice. best color Next is another adjective.: Passy
4: You took mine. You took mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go with.
5: Thinking. Deafening. Deafening's a good one. Okay. A noun plural. Zappy. Ducks. Definitely a noun. Uh, another noun plural. Badger. Beetles. Uh, a- adjective. Bear. Rough. A material.
0: Bubs. Girl is <laughs> not a material. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's literally objectification right there.
0: <laughs> Lace.
1: Okay, that works. Uh a
2: negative adjective. Uh it's Joseph's
0: turn, negative adjective
2: um I, i'm i'm tempted to say chartreuse but i'll say um oh, uh, no uh,
0: <laughs>
2: disgusting uh another
1: negative adjective
5: passy bitter what was it bitter oh oh bitter yeah a noun zappy worm and a positive adjective badger Ew Oh Bubs, why did you post that
0: picture? Oh, frogs do not make me happy. What did uh, you say? A posi- positive.
1: a positive adjective, some oh, adjective, adjective
0: with a po- That's nice.
1: Positive connotation. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Creative That works.
0: Yep, yeah, that works.
1: Uh, and a verb Final one
0: Alright, is Pika back yet? Still having
5: difficulties? Okay, Bear It's your
0: last one Make it good No pressure No pressure at all it Just has to be the funniest word ever Want
5: Okay <laughs>
0: Let's do this
1: all right, so here are some gardening tips. So, gardening ev- involves a lot of trial and error from tree selection and running to picking the right basement for the job. Having the right <laughs> materials can make gardening chartreuse and more deafening. I've made some mistakes bought ducks and beetles I barely use, a <laughs> <chose> potting <laughs> mix that was too rough for potted plants, and wasted money on lace planters that are both <laughs> disgusting and bitter. But I've also discovered some worms that are creative and want to launch them to other gardens.
0: hmm Okay. So, well, w- when we did a trial run of this, and... I was worried about possible copyright infringement,
5: and Space Butler assured me that it's okay.
0: Why was it okay to use this text, Space Butler?
1: Uh, That's because you wrote it.
0: Apparently, that was a blog post I wrote, and I did
5: not recognize it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, there we go, folks. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Thank you, Passy, Zappy, and Joseph. It was so great having you on the show. And thank you well, everybody for submitting happy. your questions. I feel like we need a tagline. What is the what is the word of the day? Chartreuse. Photoblastic. Not
5: Photoblastic Chartreuse. <laughs> 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 Photo <Photoblastic> Chartreuse,
0: <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Bye.